the um, trial of O.J. Simpson. Yeah, I was, I was not born yet. Probably. <laughs> I'm not sure yet. Ninety-four with O.J. Simpson and Nicole Brown. When was it? And nineteen ninety-four. And so. Um, June, I think, when he turned himself in in 1994, yeah, that June. And so um, he had the Bronco, right? And so O.J. Simpson is um, <laughs> seen as one of the best football players to ever play the game. He played college at USC. Juice. <laughs> said a juice. And so uh, O.J. Simpson was very talented, uh, but he found himself in an interesting situation at this point in time, is that um, late night, at uh, midnight, at 12:10 uh, a.m., um, his wife was killed, and another gentleman was killed. And the detectives came to the scene, and they wanted to figure out what happened, what took place. And they found a bronco with blood on it. When they found a, bl a bronco with blood on it, the detective said, "Well, this might be O.J. Simpson. He might be hurt, even though they didn't have a search warrant." They jumped over the gate and unlocked the gate for the other detectives to come in, and they saw this blood that was on the Bronco. But some, though, they tried to call, and they see it wasn't O.J. Simpson, so they tried to contact O.J. Simpson, come to find out he's in Chicago. Then they asked him, hey, you need to come back. He came back the next morning, and um, they asked him to turn himself in. And Now, if he was charged for murder, it was that this would bring about the death penalty because it was two murders here. And so they was waiting on O.J. Simpson to turn himself in, but did he show up? No, we see him on live TV with the Broncos driving down the road. And, but through all that, O.J. Simpson hired the best attorneys. He got John Cothran and uh, I think it Robert, I think Kardashian. He had all this whole, he had this, uh, like this U.S. Olympic staff of lawyers. And so it happened with all that, he got off the case and he didn't get charged with murder. And the reason why I share you guys that story is that that story probably still to this day, I know many of you guys are sitting there and say, well, he did it. And some of you guys say, well, what really happened? We really, really don't know. But I would say another story a little bit different is uh, Christ. Is that in our chest today in, in John 8, we hear this the Pharisees, I mean, the, the Jewish people giving all these accounts of who Jesus is, they're giving all these accusations, is that we might not be sure if um, O.J. Simpson really committed this crime. We might be persuaded that he did. But this test we have today, it's an assurance. We know for sure that Jesus is God. And so we don't have to go about doubt um, uh, anymore because uh, we see that explicitly in our test today. Not just in our test today, the test that I brought before you guys last time I seen you guys last Friday, we did uh, John 8, I think we did verses uh, 12 through 19, I believe. And um, we walked through and he said, I am the light of the world. And I pointed you guys back to John 1, uh, when, when at the, uh, in, the, in the beginning, uh, was the word, and the word was with God. And John goes on to tell us who this word is. He said, this word is the Lamb of God that take away sins. And so John points about, then he points again to what? This same word is what? From the beginning, it's the same word as woven in flesh. So this God that created the entire universe. They got this thing. You guys ever heard of the Creation Museum? Uh, the Creation Museum in New Cincinnati. They got this thing called a planetarium. 
is that you go into it like a movie theater. You go into there, you sit down like a movie theater seat, and you, and the seat recline back, and you look up in the sky, and you see the whole galaxy. And it go, he take you through the whole galaxy. He show you the earth, he show you the sun, and all the different planets. It's amazing. But, what, but, but the thing about it is that Jesus Christ, the Father and the, uh, the Spirit, the Godhead, they have created the entire universe. God carved everything with his hands. He has created it. And that's what John tells us that this same God that created it all, now the same God came in what? Human flesh. So he's still God, but now he's in human flesh. And so John, throughout his book from chapter 1, verses 1 through 18, gives us an introduction to who, what John is going to be talking about. Throughout the entire book of John, John is making the case is that this is God. That Jesus Christ is God. Why is that important? We have Mormonism around. We have Jehovah's Witnesses. We have all these different religions, all these different things. We have a thing called modalism. We're saying that, that God is just one, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Uh, it's the same thing, but at different points in time and, and this and that. So we need to be clear who this God is. And John is very clear who God is in this text. So as we evaluate our text today, um, I want to say I have points, but I just want to walk through the text and just break and just walk through it and just, just, just elaborate on certain points. And uh, instead of saying points and everything, I'm just going to walk through the text. And we're just trying to see what God is doing in the text um, today. So without time, let's go ahead and get right into it. Um, as John 8, we're going to be looking at verse 52 to the rest of the chapter. And let me read the text and we can go right through it. The Jews said to him, and I'm reading it out of the New American Standard Version. The Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died and the prophets also. And you say, if anyone keep my word, he will never taste death. Surely you are not greater than our father Abraham who died. The prophets died too. Whom do you make yourself out to be? The Jews asking Jesus this, and Jesus respond right here in verse 54. Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our Father, or he is our God. And you have not come to know him, but I know him. And if I say that I do not know him, I will be a liar like you. But I do know him and, and keep his word. 56. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and it was glad. So the Jews said to him, so the Jews now, after Jesus said this, now the Jews now are saying something bad to Jesus here in 57. So the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old. And have you seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. Therefore, they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Thanks the Lord for the reading of the word. So we see right here in 52, um, verse 52. And the Jews said to him, and the Jews start talking to Jesus after they were responding to Jesus earlier when they were saying that uh, in verse 48, they was claiming that Jesus uh, is a Samaritan and a demon. 
And this is like a blasphemy statement saying that Jesus is a demon, but also is a Samaritan. Samaritans were these guys that lived like in northern Israel. And they lived and they were actually um, considered not to be a part of the actual original group of the Jewish uh, set or the Jewish people of the south. They said the Samaritans stayed there um, during the exile. And some commentators are back and forth with uh, clarity on what point of time did the Samaritans show up. But a lot of Jewish didn't give credibility to these Samaritans. So they were saying that Jesus, pretty much, you're a Samaritan. You know about the woman, that the Samaritan woman, how everybody looked upon to her. But also Jesus now is considered as a Samaritan. Not just a Samaritan. They called him in verse 48, say what? A demon. How can you call the God of the universe a demon? And so this is like blasphemy in words that the Jewish were doing to Jesus. And the reason for this, it just doesn't start here in 48. We already started earlier in, 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 in John chapter 8 when everybody came to Israel. The reason why everybody is here in Israel is because of the Feast of Tabernacle. So everybody came for this feast, and the Feast of Tabernacle was the time they celebrated. Um, they look back at the Exodus story. You guys remember when Israel was in bondage in Israel? And God brought them out of Israel from the slavery of bondage. He brought them from Israel, I mean Egypt. I say brought them, I say Israel. He brought them from Egypt and he took them where? To Israel. But on the way there to Israel, God was what? He was a pillar of fire for them so they can see through the night. And so Jesus said, guess what? That pillar of fire is what? I am that light. I don't want to guide you all throughout the Old Testament. That's what Jesus is saying. So Jesus defends himself in 49 through 51, pretty much saying he honors and obeys the fathers. So the one that honors and obeys the father is what? Knows the right God. He who honors. But we know the Jewish, them, the Jewish or the Jews right here, back and forth, uh, we see they do not honor the father. And we're going to see it in our test today. So that's just a background before we get into our test. So let's get right into verse 52 now. The Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died and the prophets also. And you said, if anyone keep my word, he would never taste death. Now the Jews think Jesus is a liar and has a demon because Abraham kept the word but still seen death. So the Jewish people at this time, they had a high regard towards Abraham. You guys remember Abraham? Okay, you didn't know the son said he was a friend of God. Abraham was lived in, 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 Cal, in, uh, in a Babylon and God brought him all the way over. He was a faithful. He was seen as faithful throughout the Old Testament. And they said, hey, and Jesus said, if you keep my word, you live. But did Abraham die? He died. You see, he died in the Old Testament. And they said, Jesus, if you was, if you're telling the truth, he kept the word, so why did he die? And the thing about it, though, is that Abraham was faithful. And his faith, God counted righteousness because he was faithful. He obeyed the Father. But if Abraham lived a perfect life, he probably would have been that Christ that everybody looked forward to say, hey, it was Abraham. But we know that what? Abraham was looking forward to something greater. How do we know that? You guys know the story of Abraham and Pharaoh, uh, Pharaoh and Abraham lied about and said Pharaoh, uh, his wife was his sister and tried to give her to Pharaoh and he was what? He was giving all these things from Pharaoh. But still, Abraham lied over and over throughout the Old Testament. And the thing about God, God is a perfect and righteous God. He's the God of truth. So God cannot lie. So, so whoever this Messiah is going to come and say to people, 
Guess what? He has to be perfect. He cannot lie. This Messiah has to be perfect. And so what happened though is that Abraham proved that he's not the Messiah because what? Abraham showed his what? His what? His sin at times in the Old Testament when he lied here and there. But guess what? Abraham, even though he, he lied, even though Abraham fell short at times, Abraham was looking forward to something greater. Not just Abraham, Noah. I mean, if we look at Noah, we said, well, Noah, the one that his family, the only one kept the things of God. And God destroyed the whole world and kept Noah. And guess what? Noah was faithful. But we read the chapter over in, what, in, in, in Genesis 10 and 9, 9 and 10, we find out that what? Noah what, got drunk and fell in sin. So over and over throughout the Old Testament, we get these pictures of what? That this might be a faithful person. Is this the Christ to come to say to people? That every time we see what? Noah fell short. David fell short. And all these guys fell short. And by them falling short, they couldn't be the Messiah. And so now we see that Messiah is here. Messiah is here. Now these people right now, they can trust this Messiah. And so they asked and said, well, Abraham kept your word. Why did he die? Abraham did die physically. But Abraham what? Abraham was looking forward to this Christ. And how do we know that? We're going to see that at the end of the chapter. I don't want to spill the beans right now. I want to let this get real good and everything before I tell you everything. So we got to make sure you guys are paying attention. Then we're going to see what happened to Abraham at the end of the chapter. So we see Abraham trusted in Christ, though, for salvation. We know that. Abraham trusted. So these Jews, in their ignorance, they're in darkness. They're thinking that what he's talking about not dying, that means that Abraham was supposed to live now. At this time, Abraham was still living. Abraham would have been probably like 2,000 years old or whatever. So they think, Abraham, you're going to keep your God's word. You should have been keeping, you should be living right now, Abraham. But we find out, though, Abraham, what Jesus was talking about is that Abraham's going to live forever with God. That's the life that believers are looking forward to. The ones that have sinned against the Holy God, your sins is what is on the cross. And you're looking forward to that glorious day with sitting with the, with the Father and the Son and the Spirit forevermore. So that's what he's talking about right here when, uh, when, when, in, in 52. And he goes on to 53 and says, Surely you are not greater than our father Abraham who died. The prophets died too. Whom do you make yourself out to be? So now they're saying, well, you're saying that you're, um, uh, you're not greater than, he said, you are not greater than our father Abraham. So they had a high view towards Abraham. Not just Abraham, but also they had a high view towards the prophets. And both of them died. And so if you say that these people that keep your words are going to live forever, guess what? The prophets that was faithful, you guys know Jeremiah. Isaiah, Jeremiah prophesied against what? Israel, when they got into bondage, went into Babylon. Isaiah prophesied against, against what? Against Assyria. And all these, prophets, I mean, all these prophets, they was faithful to God. They died too. So Jesus said, if you keep my what word, you will live. But they died. But we know that what Jesus was referring to a spiritual life forever with him, forevermore. He wasn't talking about this flesh, this fallen world. Jesus said, if you trust in me, you will have a life forever. So they are asking, they say, well, and, and they are so blind in this. They said, well, no, Abraham and the prophets are greater than that. But who are you supposed to be now? You saying all this, Jesus, who are you supposed to be? And what they're doing, though, is that I remember when I was young, I don't know about you guys from Arkansas, 
When you used to pick a fight, people would put a, uh, put a leaf on your shoulder or put like a sheet of paper on your shoulder so I bet you won't knock it off. You guys remember that? You remember that? Yeah, and so, so yeah, what would happen though was that, and so when somebody try to start a fight and they want to see two people to fight, what they'll do, they'll get like a sheet of paper and they'll put it on this person's shoulder and they'll tell somebody, you know, like in the sixth grade or whatever, they say, hey, I bet you won't knock it off this person's shoulder. When this person knock it off that person's shoulder, it's like a sign of disrespect. And he know what I'm talking about here. And so, and so what happened though is that they will start fighting and start going at it. So right here though is that these Jews, it's plural. It's just not a Jew. These are a gathering of people here. And so what they're doing is that they're talking loud. They said, so you're saying Abraham, you're better than Abraham, and you're saying you're better than the prophets. And so they letting the whole crowd hearing. So think, imagine. Everybody saying, wow, this Jesus is better than the prophets than Abraham? So everybody gathering around like, who is this guy here? So, so they hiding the situation up so something can happen to Jesus. But Jesus in his wisdom is way farther than their craftiness and everything. But they were trying their best to be able to get the people to go against Jesus. So we see these accusations already that the people right here in blindness and darkness hostile towards God. Look at verse 54. And Jesus responds to all this in verse 54. Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. And Jesus right here is now saying that um, if I glorify myself or boast in myself, we would say my glory is nothing. So he, he responds to these, fair, I mean, these Jewish people, he responds to them by saying that if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me. Jesus gives this beautiful exaltation right here saying that the, the work he's done is that it's not for himself. It's for what? His Father. Jesus and the Father are what? Use the word covenant. They're in agreement with each other. They're in agreement and they're in covenant. That's why we have the word federal government. You have the United States federal government. It's federal. The word federal comes from the word, same word as being covenant. And this federal relationship is what? Within states of America. All the states are what? Part of this federal government. So this right here is saying that Jesus right here and the Father, they're what? They're in this covenantal relationship with each other. By being in this agreement with each other is that Jesus does the will of the Father... And guess what? And the Father, what? Glorifies the Son. So they worship together in this. So Jesus, what? He didn't just come to do his own will. He came to do the Father's will. And so them, they, they are boasting. They are trying to put Jesus right here, trying to see that Jesus is coming here to be this false prophet. That's what it's boiled down to. It's trying to say, Jesus, you are coming to do your own will. And you're saying you're better than Abraham. You're just trying to get a lot of followers, this and that. Jesus said, I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing this for the Father. Man, isn't that beautiful? That Jesus is on the throne. Guess what? He don't need you. He don't need me. He don't need us. But guess what? We have sinned against God. We deserve his eternal punishment. We deserve it. Why do we deserve it? God has set the standards. God said, hey, you need to live this way. You need to glorify me. But I can show you in my life that I haven't glorified God. And I showed you guys last week and everything with my light bill. 
I'm going with another story. Uh, just recently, we had some guests. We got some guests in town this weekend from Omaha, Nebraska. And um, my wife yesterday, she had uh, some, some, some plans with a girlfriend to go out to eat and everything, this and that. And, um, and I'm freaking out like, man, we got guests going to come in town. And the house is nasty. I mean, we got to clean this. I mean, we got stuff all over the place. This, that. The house wasn't nasty. But for me, wanted everything. I want to make sure to surprise the guests and give the guests a good time. And so for me, it just all, you know, just came, just relaxed. You know, I, I asked my wife and everything. I said, huh? I said, honey, um, I said, honey, um, 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 don't, don't we need to be working on things at the house instead of going out this and that? But for me, though, in my sin, in my fallen nature and everything, I'm already assuming, but my wife has already took care of everything at the house. And I wasn't even at home. And I'm over here already assuming everything. I'm all upset and everything, this and that. And that show you, though, is that I need a Messiah. I'm working through this myself every single day. But I have a delight, though, and guess what? And resting upon these truths and telling my wife I'm sorry. I sinned against you. I sinned against God. I'm sorry. I love you. And let's work this thing out. And things of that nature, but it's not a life of me habitually doing this over and over. It's a life of now living in Christ. I'm fighting this every single day. I'm speaking my wife in grace and mercy. But Jesus shows us, though, is that, Creston, I die for, for you. You have sinned against me, I die for you. And you guys here might have been baptized at a young age or might have um, uh, never been baptized or never came to profess Christ and everything. But um, regardless, Romans 3.23 said we all have sinned. It said, no one does good, no, not one. So regardless of how good you think you are, you might be sitting in that chair right now and say, I'm not bad at such and such. I got a cousin, man. He just, man, I know he's real bad. Guess what? The Bible says no one is good. So, the, so if you're going to base it upon your standards of what good is, first of all, your standards are already corrupt because you come from a corrupt heart. So what happened, though, is that no one is good, no, not one. We all have sin. We all deserve what punishment? Does that sound cruel? Does that sound mean? But how can that sound mean is that if God is so holy, he's righteous, that he created this universe for his glory, that he set the standards. How is that cruel if God set the standard and we disobeyed, though, what God has put before us? We are the one that broke the law. God didn't break it. So Jesus came and showed you that he is the one to come to save sinners. By coming to save sinners, Jesus said, guess what? I don't have a reason to boast just in myself. And these Pharisees were thinking that Jesus came to do his own thing, to start his own religion. Jesus said, no, I came to do this for the Father. I was on the throne, brothers. I was on the throne, you know what I mean? But Jesus said, guess what? I came to do this to glorify the Father. He said, it's my Father who glorified me, of whom you say he is our Father. So Jesus said something back to them. He said, the same Father that I came to glorify and the same Father that's glorifying me, you said it's your Father. Somebody lying here. Somebody need to take the paternity. What do you say? Paternity test? Somebody, somebody. Who Father is this? Is this the Father of Christ or is it the Father of these Jews that's living in darkness? We find out this is the Father of Jesus. This is the Father that died for sinners. I mean, this is the Father that, that uh, uh, sits on the throne forevermore. That sent His Son to die for sinners. And so we keep going. I think I'm with time here. Let's keep going with the test. Uh, 55. 
and, and you have not come to know him. So this, the, Jesus saying, what? this same God that you said you know, guess what? You don't really know him. How do you know how we know you don't know him? It said, whoever, whosoever obey the son has life. Who does not obey the son shall not see life. But the wrath of God remains on him. If you say you belong to God, your life shows it. Do your life show it. Do your life show it. And I'm saying, not saying your life got to show it. Uh, if you leave here and you, you go buy you a mansion and you get all the money in the world, this and that. Your life can show you if you're part of God right now here in the Louisville Rescue Mission. Do you obey the things of God by yourself? When you're in a room by yourself, or you're outside by yourself, are you looking at doing the things of God? Do you have a heart that loves God with your heart, mind, and soul? And like in two, the second commandment, do you love your neighbor? Are you trusting in the sun forevermore when you're alone by yourself? Or just right now at 5.30, this is right now to get right with Jesus at 5.30. But right now, the scriptures tell us that if you really know the son, Jews, guess what? If you really know him, you know the, son, the, the father is glorifying me, and I am glorifying the father, and I'm going to what? Obey the father. So ask yourself a question. Are you obeying the father? Not for salvation. I want to be clear on that. We can't work in a position to get to God. There's no good works you can do to attain righteousness before God. We are in Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves. There's nothing that you have done. Jesus Christ has done every single thing. You cannot do anything to reach the righteousness of God. That's why you have Islam. That's why you have Muslims. That's why every religion in the world, let me show you real quick. Every religion in the world, guess what it says? We can do more good than bad. If I be doing more good in the world, guess what? I can reach to God. God's going to bless me for doing more good. But our Bible tells us that one sin is enough to condemn you to hell forevermore. So it don't matter how much good you do. If you do one little small little lie, it's enough to separate you from God forevermore. And so with the Christian faith, what it tells us, though, is that, hey, God, I can't do good. I have sinned against you, God. Can you do it for me? And guess what the cross is for? Jesus did it on the cross. He lived a life that you couldn't live. He lived a life that you were supposed to live, a faithful life. But guess what? Jesus lived a life that you didn't live. And guess what? Jesus was punished for you. So we sit here today and we see that, well, well uh, I mean, I, I'm not this bad. I'm this and I'm this and that. Jesus went on the cross. He got punished by the Father for what? For sinners. That's what Jesus did. And the only thing we can do is now ask God for forgiveness and mercy and trust in the Son. By Jesus taking your sins on the cross and your punishment for you, his goodness is given to you. And so when you die as believers, God the Father looks at you and say, good job, my son. He looks at you and say, good job. But you guys know you guys haven't done anything good, have you? But guess what? God looks at you and say, good job. Good job, because the Son gives his life for you. And that's what's the difference between the Christian faith and any faith in the world, that Jesus Christ done all the work. And we just bear the Christ for mercy and grace, that Christ, we can't do it. We sin against you, God. Only hope is your bloody cross for our sins. And I'm going to have to go ahead and go down. I think we're way past time right now. Let's look at... Um, 
Verse 8, but I do not know him and keep his word. 56, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and he was glad. So Abraham looked forward to see the day of Christ. When I was telling you about Abraham, Jesus said, guess what? Abraham was looking forward to see my day. Abraham was looking forward to the Christ to come. <clears throat> Abraham wasn't trusting in himself. Abraham, needed, no, Abraham knew that the burnt sacrifices in the Old Testament was not going to be enough for him. Abraham looked forward to Christ. So who's greater than Abraham? It's Christ Jesus. So, he, so how do we know that? I'm going to say this last thing. We're going to end. Verse 58. Read it with me. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. Abraham, before Abraham was, Jesus said, I am. Jesus showing you his what? His forever existence. Jesus has always existed. He always existed. So Jesus said, guess what? Before Abraham, he said, I am. And I know you guys have been going through John now for quite some time. When he said the word I am, what does that represent? It's God. Ego e me. Say it with me, guys. Ego e me. There you go. You got a little Greek in you. That's the Greek word that we see in the Old Testament that uses in the Septuagint. It said what? I am that I am. You remember when Moses said that? I mean, you know, when God said that what? in the burning bush, I am that I am? Guess what Jesus said out of all this with the Pharisees? He shut them down. You guys ever heard what's called drop mic, mic drop? You guys heard that before? This is one of those scenes right here. When Jesus said it right here, I'm showing you my age now. When Jesus said, said it right here, he said, I am. Jesus points them what? To the Old Testament saying, Moses was pointing to me. I the one that spoke to Moses. I am God. So Jesus saying, I am God. I came in flesh. Man, this same God that created the world now is in flesh. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? And he gave it to him. How do we know that he said what Jesus was saying is? Or we just making accusations here? How do we know it? Look at verse 59. Therefore they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out. They tried to kill him. Whenever you use the word Yahweh, or old, the Old Testament name, the covenant name of God, whenever you use the word Yahweh in the Old Testament, so the Jews still to this day, they don't say the word for God because they said the name is just so holy. For now, Jesus saying, again, what ego eat me, he's saying that I am, as, I am God. They said, we got to kill this guy. He's not just saying he's better. He's not just better than Abraham. He's not better than the prophets. Guess what? He's saying, I am. And so guess what they now get? They get these stones. And these stones, we heard about Stephen. You guys remember Stephen? Got stoned to death. They get these stones. They're about to try to kill Jesus. But it wasn't time for his crucifixion. So Jesus left. And so the sum of all this, what I'm saying though, is that Jesus Christ is God in flesh. He's God in flesh. Now, any other religion just say that he's not God, they're saying he's just a human being, they just say he's, he's this, he's that. The scriptures tell us that he is God. And Jesus, how do we know he's God too? Only God can live a perfect life. We have sinned against God, and God has lived a perfect life on our behalf so we can enter into this rest of God. Was it clear today? That's clear? Let's seek the Lord for his grace. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for this time. Lord, we, I thank you, Lord, for giving us this great message, uh, Lord, that you are God. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that we have sinned against you. Lord, by sitting against you, Lord, we do not deserve your rest. We deserve eternal punishment. But Jesus Christ loves us and that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. 
Jesus came in flesh to die for sinners. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for what you have done. You deserve all the worry, the, the, the worthy, you go all the, the glory, the praise forevermore. We thank you, Lord, for what you have done. Lord, we ask you, Lord, to plant seeds today in the midst of the hearts of these men here. Allow your spirit, Lord, to, to awaken men from death to life so they can live a life of faith. But I pray, Lord, for these guys here and pray for my own heart that I can live this great message out the rest of my days. And for those men that are here that are trusting the Son and trust the God, Lord, we ask you, Lord, to strengthen them through this season right now of hard times. Give them strength. Give them yourself so they can make it through it. And, Lord, I pray that, Lord, you give sinners your light. They can turn into repentance. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.